very good morning to you. Welcome in to today's uh, programme. Now, just to give you some of the comments that are left over from the last hour, as as I make a dog's dinner at the screen, but anyway, uh, let me go to add some of the comments. Keith, I'm raging that the public are fooled again, once again, re-RTE. Until the public know the truth, it means confidence is gone in RTE and our government. It's an utter failure that not one person has been held responsible for this and people sail off with big payouts. We cannot move on, Minister. Tell us the truth, the scholar said. There's such legalities around all of this, lads, that if it's not handled the way it's been handled, it'll cost five times more in compensation. And another caller said, Keith, Gertha Cleva is shocking. I came in that way on Tuesday evening. Cars coming from the city were unable to turn up. It's so tight at that corner. Hence, a very much a backlog of traffic. Keith, can you do me a huge favour? Donna Walsh from Castle Park is celebrating her 40th birthday today. Cannot wait to celebrate with you. And that comes with lots of love from all of the Mercy Girls uh, listening to us today. Keith, in relation to mental health, the pandemic has many people's mental health affected. It's going to take years to fix all of this, the scholar said. And Keith, people working from home should look for a pay rise as they're saving their employers uh, money with electricity bills, etc., etc. And um, there you go. Good luck with that one. I wouldn't say it'll, it'll float from there. Now, let me go to Colin White, who joins you on the line. Colin is the National Advocacy and Projects Manager with the Irish Kidney Association because, as you heard on news this morning at uh, 7 o'clock, legislation allowing for soft opt-out organ donation uh, was um, due to be passed through the Dáil and the Shannon today. Uh, but uh, Colin joins you on the line. Now, Colin, good morning to you. Good morning. Oh, good. You're coming in loud and clear, so you are this morning to us uh, there. This legislation uh, has been a long time in the offing, and um, how do you think this is going to pan out, can I ask you? Well, I think it's important that we understand where we're at now and the changes then that the legislation will will bring bring about. Yeah. Like... Currently, um, to be considered a potential organ donor, in most cases, you have to be in an intensive care unit on a life support machine when uh, the doctors sadly declare your brain stem dead. And at that point, and only at that point, is um, the possibility of organ donation considered. Mm-hmm. So um, that's kind of where we're at now. So every family would be approached for consent. And if they give a consent, uh, organ retrieval happens. And if they don't give consent, organ retrieval doesn't happen. So the legislation is introducing, as you said, uh, soft opt-out with family consent. Mm. Um, So there'll be an opt-out register uh, introduced, like an official register where people who would rather not be considered a potential organ donor can record their decision there. And in the event of them being identified as a potential organ donor, if their name is on the opt-out register, then their family will not be approached. But for everybody else, the family will be approached because the way the legislation is written and the way that the headlines are being written, it will be presumed that uh, your loved one is consenting to organ donation. I, I, but I think, the fight... I, I think it's just, important... Just, just if it, yeah, go on, finish out that, Colin. Yeah, the final decision still sits with your family. The question will be asked slightly differently under the current system. Um, 
do you think your loved one had considered organ donation or would you consider donating your loved one's organs? Question under the new system, is there any reason why your loved one would not want to be an organ donor? And it's important, and we've had them in the studio with us quite, uh, quite quite a bit indeed, that all of the major trauma units, including University Hospital Galway indeed, would have a, a liaison person uh, in relation to organ donation uh, that has a, a unique skill of, of ascertaining indeed the views of the family without being cold and callous on it. It's, it's, a, it's a very unique gift that they have to do so. So this makes it easier for those people indeed Um just going along the guidelines that you've given us from there. So it's not a case of if somebody dies and there's no family member there and uh, that the organs are taken, there still has to be permission granted for that. There, yes, there there still has to be um, some sort of a, a approval sought. Like, I think your listeners uh, would be surprised to hear that approximately only 1% of deaths annually are in the circumstances that allow for potential organ donation. So the number of potential organ donors every year is actually quite small. So this this is why uh, the government and obviously ourselves and the Irish Kidney Association were very interested in, in anything where we can maximise the potential and turn it into reality. And I think when we're looking at organ donation, yes, we look at it from the perspective of the transplant recipients and their families. But we must also look at it from the perspective of the the donor's family, um, what what it means to them. Um, I've heard it often referred to as the one bright light in a very dark time. Yeah, that um, they're going through the trauma of having lost a loved one, but they can take solace in the fact that there's one, two, three, four, five other families out there who are um, getting to celebrate another life milestone or just kind of see another sunrise with their loved one because uh, somebody, a complete stranger, said yes to organ donation. Can I ask you then, and again, it's, it's, it's not a trick question at all, Colin White, National Advocacy and mm. Project Manager with the Irish Kidney Association. Is, is the whole organ donation programme adequately funded? Um, I think uh, that's it is an let's call it an interesting question. If it's not a trick question, um, no, I think there is potential for more. Now um, we are moving in the right direction. Um, the HSE established the Organ Donation Transplant Ireland office some years ago yeah. to uh, coordinate uh, things in in a, in a more structured fashion. And the Minister for Health yesterday announced. Um, a 1.6 million budget that will be going to that office to um, kind of ensure the implementation of this legislation is actually effective because it's one thing to sign something into law and then it's another thing for the law to actually change practice and and have an impact. It was very pleasing to see that the, the minister highlighted the funding of an annual potential donor audit so it's where they will be measuring around the, the, all the um, intensive care units around the country and the number of potential donors that were identified and how many actually became uh, actual donors and identifying why um, maybe some didn't become donors. And there are valid reasons why yeah. uh, that, but, that can happen. But do you know why I'm asking yeah. the question, of course, Colin? Because, I mean, we know 
the difficulty uh, that is in health at this stage. And I mean, if, if a family decides to donate the organs and you, you're saying up to five other families uh, can get a positive effect out of this, uh, whilst one is losing a family member. But we also know that for the recipient of the organs in question, um, there has to be five beds made available for those five people uh, in, in various hospitals. And the majority of those people will have to end up in intensive care following the transplant for a 24-hour period. So when I'm, when I'm talking about funding, I'm talking about funding the hospitals adequately so that there isn't a rush to find a bed when the organs become available. Yeah, well, I think you're you're essentially singing off the same hymn sheet that the Irish Kidney Association has been singing off for many years, that uh, this legislation on its own is not going to be transformative. No. It does have to be underpinned uh, with adequate funding and um, like it, it has to be identified that organ donation is a positive health intervention. And therefore, it's worthy of it happening in hospitals. And I think if we look particularly at uh, kidney transplantation, it is significantly cheaper on the state Mm -hmm. to treat somebody with kidney failure by kidney transplant than it is by kidney dialysis. Like in the space of 15 years, treating somebody by transplant over dialysis, you're going to save 1.5, 1.6 million per person. Will you save that much, you will? Yep. Wow. So dialysis... Dialysis, uh, dialysis is a very intense treatment. Like the, the treatment burden, as it's often referred to, is is quite heavy on people on dialysis. Like you're, the majority are going into hospitals or dialysis units three times a week for yeah. three and a half, four hours of treatment. Yeah. And um, so the associated costs with delivering that and uh, then the associated impact on the quality of life of um, the people on dialysis and equally their family members um, is it can be quite challenging whereas with the transplant um, you it's kind of the gold medal standard of treatment and you have the potential of um, somebody maybe unable to work because they're on dialysis returning to the workforce post-transplant. Like things of beauty that we see is um, like younger people when they're transplanted going on to have a family post-transplant. So like it really, organ donation truly is the gift that keeps on giving. It is, and it's immediate, um, because once they come out of the anaesthetic, once they come out of the theatre, uh, the effects of the transplant of a kidney, uh, or other organs indeed, is uh, quite visible to see in the recipient. It, it changed their life. I, I spoke to somebody during the week, and again, no names mentioned, but uh, they're going on the list indeed for transplant because they've got issues uh, with their uh, kidneys currently, but they're on dialysis or going on dialysis as well. Uh, but again, big decision for them, big decision for the family, um, big decision for everything to be honest for a young person uh, to be on that list but it's traumatic and that's why if organs do come uh, available again through a very sad and, and difficult uh, course for some people indeed um, there should be enough beds, money physicians, nurses uh, you know the whole lot um, again the, the, the beds indeed in intensive care after us there should be a suite of them right across the country for this uh, to ensure that you maximise and the organs that are kindly donated by families. But 
That's today's lecture, so it is, Colin. But um, thank you for joining <laughs> us uh, today. Well, I think just one one final quick comment. If your listeners go to ika.ie, they can request their organ donor card. And it's a great icebreaker for having the family conversation about organ donation. Ika.ie. Good to have you. Thanks, Nick, for joining us uh, today. And good luck with it. Thanks, and thanks Nick, for joining us uh, today. Colin White, National Advocacy and Projects Manager with the Irish Kidney Association. And I'm kind of glad to have pardon the pun, flushed out with them uh, because I, I know of some people indeed that have been called for um, a recipient has been called and unfortunately the facilities weren't there for them. Now it doesn't happen very often uh, but it did happen and I know it happened twice indeed uh, to one person so let's hope that um, it doesn't happen because the family are good enough in traumatic times saying goodbye to a loved one uh, that's been kept alive on a machine and they say yes, it's okay to donate. And then the process starts from there. So, anyhow, that's my little bit for today. Quick commercial break. We're back with the kind of Tribune headlines next. Stay tuned. Now, very good morning to you. Welcome in to today's program. The Connacht kind of Tribune is out since early morning. So, it is bright and early morning this morning. And uh, Dave O'Connell joins me on uh, the line today. Dave, morning to you. Morning, Keith. How are you? I'm great. You have some great cracking stories today. Your lead story Thanks. is another community trying to save their teacher by offering a rent free home to a family that sends their kids to the school. Yeah, you remember, uh, Keith, we had this approach before uh, in a school outside Clonbord. This time it's Skullronan in Travon, <laughs> excuse me, Lettermore. And they're trying to recruit uh, new pupils by, as you say, enticing a family to move to Connemara through the offer of a rent-free home. Now it's for a year. Uh, but as it stands, there's 17 pupils uh, in the two-teacher school. That's a teaching principal and one other teacher. One of them is in sixth class and will leave in the summer. That brings it down to 16. Now there are some babies in the village, but obviously that takes four or five years before before they're of school going age and school Ronan is taking a proactive step to recruit more pupils to save it because if numbers drop to 11 the school loses one of the teachers now uh, three schools in Lettermore have closed in the last two decades oh. and the community is determined to save school Ronan so that's their plan and they're being proactive about it and it's a cracking story you're also you've been speaking to a Galway born broadcaster who spent some time with you in the Connacht Tribune while she was a student and she's just yeah. won an Emmy Award so she has well done well, yeah, I think uh, Amy Crawford may be the first of our uh, former uh, employees to win an Emmy Award. I haven't looked through the records, but uh, I'd say that's a fair guess. Uh, Amy grew up between uh, Ballinasloe and Ahaskra, and she was only with us for a short while. She did her work placement when she was uh, studying journalism in UL. Uh, but these days, she's working with CNN out of their London bureau, and she's just taken delivery of her Emmy for her work on the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Uh, Amy and the team scooped the award for outstanding live breaking news coverage after the Russian invasion and she talks all about it to Denise McNamara on page three. It's a, an interesting story and an interesting life in, in this business as well. It's interesting reading it too so it is and how yeah. she got through the pandemic. Um, you're also anticipating the day that comes once every four years uh, next week, leap year indeed, February the 29th and the chance for the ladies to take the initiative on marriage. Yeah, obviously, we should say that you and I are off the market, which is obviously bad news all round, <laughs> uh, I, I would imagine, out there. But um, for the rest, uh, it, Denise McNamara did this, and she's an old romantic at heart as well. But she, she's going back through the history of this and looking just at, at how we arrived with this thing. So the, the, the reason some people say is that February 29th was not considered a legal day because it came to make up the quarter day every four years. So it was deemed a loophole to circumvent the legal ban on women proposing to men. 
And interesting, now, obviously we're going back through the sands of time, if the man uh, refused, he had to buy the woman a silk gown. So if you saw ladies walking around in silk gowns, you know how they got them. Uh, now, we've been asking jewellers, for example, if there's been any upsurge in engagement rings. And to be honest, the answer is not really. But Galway is marking the occasion with the Love Festival, which begins on, well, sure, what day would it begin on other than uh, this day next week, which is Leap Year Day. So the perfect opportunity for people to get down on one knee. Now, nobody's asking us to do this or nobody would do it for us. And to be honest with you, if I went down on one knee, I would stay probably down on the one knee and that'd be the end of that. Yeah, we'd know more than myself now. We'd have to call emergency services to get us back up again, so we would. I, I, I gather from some conversations I've had this morning that there could be a few of the male contingent from Galway Bay FM uh, missing uh, on the 29th for fear that someone might just pop the question. Do you know that kind of way? That's that will be that will be very interesting to see uh, who has the big smiles on their face or who has the fear of God on their face. Um, but you're, you know, it's it's all the same thing at the end of the day. Well, one, one, we're, we're we're the great ad for marriage, Keith. So that's the, that's how they should look to you know. Yeah, one of the geniuses just said into my head uh, from some part of the building here. I can't afford. I can't afford the dress. So there you go. That's what's going on. That that lad's head. Come here. The footballers uh, away win and Tyrone features heavily in today's paper as well. It sure does. A much-needed league win to get the season back on track. Uh, plenty as well on, on Galway United's uh, opener at home to St. Pat's, which didn't go quite to plan despite uh, the full house and a great atmosphere name in DC Park, but there'll be better days um, on that front. Uh, on soccer, although it's in the news pages, I have to say there's a lovely tribute to Martin oh, it's Hogan. Beautiful, yeah. it's, it, well, it really, and you know, the really nice thing is that it's written by his son, Kevin, but it's not through rose-tinted glasses or anything of the sort, and he'd be well entitled to do that, but the it it just marks what Martin meant to the family, obviously, but to the greater community, both in terms of St. Mary's and in terms of football in general. And as I said before, the crowd that turned out at his funeral was, was testimony to that. His, his month's mind is this weekend, and that's why we're carrying it. And I'll just mention one more thing in sport. Galway swimmer John Short, he's from Roscam, and he's moved a step closer to Olympic Games qualification. He broke his Irish 200 metre backstroke record at the World Aquatic Championships in Doha. So all of that and loads more. In well done, but you have, you have loads more as well. What else have you got for us? Uh, loads. Uh, there's a, a lovely feature on actress Claire Barrett, who started out uh, on the stage with the Renmore Panto and then she trained as a nurse before pursuing or resuming her real passion uh, starring most recently in the Abbey and now she's back home for a while and Druid Theatre's revival of The Shadow of a Gunman and she's been talking to Judy Murphy about that. There's also a couple of pieces on the debate that Ivan Yates stirred up recently with his uh, dismissal of the teaching of Irish in school. Uh, suffice to say it doesn't get get much truck down this side of the world and if, to be honest if you want to see how Irish flourishes in real life there's a page on the rap party for the 28th season of Ross Naroon. You know what, they must be doing something right, even if uh, I doubt Ivan is tuning in every week, but there's very, very many who do. Absolutely. You have a lovely piece too, by the way, on Shane Cunningham from Hedford, and a lovely piece with Nicola Coughlin, indeed, at the Netflix Valentine's event as well. Uh, all, all of our all of our local stars. I mean, Hollywood really should be based uh, in the west of Ireland, but the only thing is we don't need uh, them all that much. And certainly with all the weddings that's going to be going on over the next 12 months, it'd probably be hard to get into hotels and stuff as well, you know. Uh, there's plenty of um, availability in hotels in Mayo, I'm told. So if you want to go to Mayo to get <laughs> married, the way you go. So next 29th then, if you're not married and um, it could happen to you, you could get the proposal. 
Uh, but Dave and I, as we said, we're off the market. So, yeah. Listen, lovely to talk to you, Dave. Talk to you tomorrow with the City Tribune and behave yourself or don't. And um, just don't behave yourself, given half a chance. Listen, um, let me move on today. The comment lines are open if you want to get through to us on 086 if you want to get uh, further details on it, you can do so. I want to go, though, to Cathy Jordan, who joins you on the line as well now, because it's a, it's a lovely story. Uh, so just let me get it up on the screen here. Uh, and don't forget, by the way, you can also, if you want to, uh, get through to us on 091 uh, And Fiona's at the end of the phone there uh, to take your calls straight away. So just give her a call straight away and she'll take your comments from there and we'll... Uh, We'll make it work from there all together. Cathy Jordan is uh, joining us because she, uh, there's a major fundraiser for the Clonborough Community Centre and uh, Cathy Jordan uh, joins me on the line because uh, she's recorded um, Brendan Graham's songs and um, she lives indeed in the Joyce Country area there but she's recorded the likes of uh, Rock and Roll Kids and all of that. But anyway, she'll tell me all about that so she will. Uh, Cathy, morning to you. Good morning, how are you? How are they all in Clonborough this morning? Well, I'm over in Sligo, so they're you're, all good here anyway bit, so far. You're a bit further up then from Clanborough, but you're doing bit, uh, you're doing this in aid of uh, Clanborough Community Centre there. That, that's right. Um, yes, uh, the lovely Pierce Doherty um, contacted us and we're delighted to be coming down to you next week. And uh, very, um, very especially because uh, the author of all the songs from this album uh, lives down in that direction. His name is Brendan Graham, and I think you all know him. Mighty man altogether, yeah. His work, yes. And uh, so I've known him for 30 years now, I suppose. And uh, I originally met him, um, I did demos for him. Uh, He's not only write songs but he was a, an author of a few books as well and to go along with those books way back mm-hmm. nearly three decades ago he wanted um, songs demoed for them so that was the start of a, a long relationship which saw me uh, and Fergal Murray kind of been the first to put voice to the, the songs that he had penned up there near Mam Trasna and, and Finney. And so we we recorded probably 20 or 30 songs um, over the years and finally decided um, to make an album of those demos because Brendan was really taken with the original form that the mm-hmm. songs took. And uh, he, he, um, he was involved with us all the way uh, through the, the recording process up in, um, in Balbriggan, County Dublin with Dave McEwan and the result was uh, an album of 10 songs called Storybook, the songs of Brendan Graham. Now, you did mention Rock and Roll Kids, but that isn't one of the songs. No, that's one of the, that's songs, one of the songs he wrote, Brendan so, yeah. Wrote. yeah, yeah. But um, the songs like Isle of Hope, Isle of Tears, uh, we would have been the first to ever um, voice that and make a recording of it way back when. So, so that's on there and Winter, Fire and Snow and the one that... Went to number one all over Christmas in, in RTE for, for, for weeks there was Winter Blessing. So yeah. um, it's a, a beautiful body of work, which kind of, um, it kind of joins hands with, with the songs of the old tradition. And to my mind will be uh, like the, the traditional songs. It's like a bridge between traditional songs and songs that will be the traditional songs of the future, if you like. So you're having the event at Clanbur for in, in, in Ada Clanbur Community Centre, but you're having it in Clanbur 
uh, Community Centre. So you're on the uh, 2nd of March. It's going to be 8 o'clock. And uh, tickets are €25 euro, and they're on sale from Chiburka in uh, Clonbur. And they're also an event bright uh, from there. Plus you'll have some special guests as well. Uh, Bernie McCabe yeah. and friends are going to be there as well. So it'll be a very special night, so it will. It absolutely will. I mean... It's a long time since I was down in Clambor and uh, and it's from what I hear the community spirit down there is incredible. It's massive, and yeah. I know I know Pierce uh, is a big part of that and it always, you know, strikes me it's just one person's energy can be so um cohesive to everybody else, um, you know, making things happen around an area and uh, Pierce is, is great in that regard. And mm. to have uh, you know Brendan songs sung down there and an awful lot of them were written in that vicinity and inspired by, you know, uh, places and, and happenings in the area, you know, makes it extra special. And I'm sure, you know, people will, will really connect with them. But you know what? It was only when I was reading the brief uh, last night um, that I, I recognised all the songs that he has written. You know, such such a talent, oh, yeah. such a talented rock and roll kids would have been very big in our house in 1994. So it would, oh, uh, except yes. it, except it was sang differently than Brenda would ever have sang it. But anyway, uh, but <laughs> it, it it was a huge one. So it was. But when you see what he's done and the the amount of of again work that he's left for others like you to perform, uh, it's it's quite yes. staggering. Yeah, and with we had two sellout shows in the National Concert Hall in late January, um, uh, doing the songs of Brendan Graham, and it was incredible. You know that body of work in all types, in all genres, and uh, I suppose it's it's remarkable that he can write in so many different genres, like you know the pop world, the kind of more jazzy stuff, the more traditional stuff. And everything in between, he yeah. he, um, he has a vast repertoire. And that night we had Sean Keane was there, and Anthony Cairns, Emer Quinn, myself, Roshan O'Reilly, uh, Camille O'Sullivan, all singing very different. Uh, and of course, um, Paul Harrington and Charlie couldn't make it that night, but the rock and roll kids themselves. Um, and it was just extraordinary the the the, the array of of songs from. You know, and the array of singers that that he could write for, uh, and with the symphony orchestra there, and some of the Dublin Gospel Choir and David Brophy conducting, it there were two superb nights uh, of music, mm. and uh, we're very proud to be part of 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 his legacy and have that album storybook and the songs they're so beautiful. There is, it's it's a very special collection Absolutely. of of work. Um, well, and all, all of them tell a beautiful story. If they want to get further details on this one, so it's going to take place, so it is, on uh, March the 2nd in Clonbar Community Centre. It's only a hop, skip and jump up the road, so it is. Uh, €25, Euro, starting at 8 o'clock. And uh, again, further details can be had from Chiborka uh, in Clonbar. And you can also go to Eventbrite and get further details uh, from Eventbrite on that as well. Well done, Cathy. Safe travelling down. Thanks very much. For it. Thanks and very much. Not yeah. at all. And uh, thanks, Steve, for joining us uh, today. Uh, Cathy Jordan joining us uh, there. Uh, other calls coming in to us uh, today are in relation to the N59 is something that people are really and truly exercised about. Now, let me go to our own colleague, Oliver Turner, who sits opposite to me today. We're not talking about sports, so we're not. 
but you're in the Jewel Theatre tonight and you're on stage? It's a very arty time of the year, Keith. So for anybody who's involved in local drama or musicals, you'll know that these things tend to happen around February, March. Yeah. Because traditionally, I think, they were started up years and years ago to break up the winter and to pass those long, it's dark true, evenings yeah, yeah. where you go for you know a couple of hours at a time to rehearsals and you'd have a bit of fun. A lot of people are still wowing at Ballinrobe Musical Society and their production of Phantom of the Opera mm. at the weekend and all week long. A lot of people from Galway got to see that. Um, a lot of people from Galway were in it. So, like, musicals are massive. I know mm. our own John Morley here is involved as well with Castle Bar and Legally Blonde is being uh, produced at the moment, so they're looking forward to producing that. So all around the county and all around the province, you've got uh, a variety Gifted of these people. local groups. And, you know, they pull people from outside, but in general, it's mm. the kernel of the people within their own community that they give a platform to perform. And I suppose we're no different in Dunmore, uh, with our drama group, that this is the time of year where groups around the country are putting on plays for their locality. Now, a musical is a far bigger production because for a start, there's an awful lot more people in yeah. it. Yeah. Whereas a drama is probably easier to put on because you can get smaller numbers into it. So depending yeah. on who's available, you can pick a play for one, two or three people. And in this instance in Dunmore, we're doing a play called Brian Friel's Faith Healer. Brian Friel, one of Ireland's most celebrated authors, uh, sadly no longer with us. But, a great production. Um, the play itself is brilliant, and yeah. I hadn't seen it, but Faith Healer is exactly as it says on the tin. It's about a faith healer, a guy who is trying to come to terms with whether or not his gifts are waning, whether or not he ever had those gifts, or mm. what exactly his powers were be, because we all you know, have different levels of belief in the healing powers yeah, of yeah. the seventh son of a seventh That's son, right, for yeah. instance. And I suppose in Ireland in particular, there's always been that uh, connection and affinity with alternative medicine. And that's what this delves into in particular. But what's the beauty of this play, and there's three of us in it, is that it basically tells uh, a story three different ways. So it'd be like myself, yourself, and John Morley going to a match and the three of us go into three different pubs on Sunday night to talk about Galway and Derry. And I guarantee you, you'll end up with three completely different accounts of yeah. what you just saw. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's similar in this vein. Whereas yeah, yeah, yeah. each of the three tell the story and you've got to work out where in the middle of all of this is the truth. You know, is it the faith healer? Is he? Is there something about him? The other characters, of course, Eleanor Sheridan plays the part of my wife slash mistress because that's what I describe her as. And yet mm -hmm. she... Um, maintains that she's my wife. Um, so she tells her version of a story. And then we've got Martin Silk, who gives somewhat of comic relief in the play, because a lot of it is is really intense. But the comic relief comes from Teddy, who's uh, my manager, mm. and who books all of these town halls around Wales and Scotland in particular, because... He's a bit wary of doing anything in England because Teddy is from England and Grace, we know his wife, was born in England and he's very much afraid of doing anything in Ireland where he himself is from. So yeah. I, uh -huh. Frank Hardy, uh, am Irish. So I'm happy enough to think that the people of Wales and Scotland, the Celtic temperament as he describes, might be more amenable to this faith healer coming and trying to cure, cure everything from blindness to polio on any given weekend. Wow. And it's the struggles. It's it's a captivating play. Um, but it's one, I think, that stirs a lot of emotion in people. And we did a couple of nights in Dunmore at the weekend, and they came from 
all around because that's just the nature of it this time of year people do want to get out and about and if it's not playing 25 cards it's going to, to see a play in the locality mm. and I think it's very different to what they would have seen before where you know we put on a Tom Murphy play and you're yeah. pretty yeah. much guaranteed A that half the cast are drinking <laughs> and, and B that you're going to get a good laugh uh, I was talking to Gary McMahon actually I don't know if you hear the, the art show conversation last week and I was it was only as I was talking to him I realised that this Guinness Zero and Heineken Zero has changed everything mm-hmm. from a theatre perspective. Whereas in the past, if you were doing a play, and let's face it, a lot of Tom Murphy plays, a lot of Irish plays, are, being, are set in yeah. pubs and involve drink. Mm. And there's no real way of doing fake Guinness, is there? No. Up to the point now where Guinness Zero is on yeah, the market. Yeah, yeah. And now it's, sure, both are away. There's no problem. So can we, you, you brought it into town then. So we you're brought it into the Druid Theatre. So the McLally Theatre is yeah. a beautiful theatre in, in Druid Lane. It's in town, right heart smack bang city, in the yeah. heart of the city. Um, so wherever you get parking, it's not too far walking distance anyway. If you park, Heinz's Road. Merchant's Road is fine. Is that where you go there, that, that one? Is that what you call to, it? Yeah, I go into Heinz's building, Heinz's Yard. Oh, the car park, yeah. Car park, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Simpler. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, walk then down to the theatre. It's a hundred-seater. Mm. So... I suppose in one sense that's quite daunting from an actor's point of view because there's nowhere to hide. You're very close to the audience. You're right. I mean, as close as I'm talking to you now, closer. that's the front row of the audience. So yeah. be very wary if you're at the play over the next couple of nights and you see this faith healer coming at you with the hands. It's you. It's me. It's you. Mm-hmm. Uh, how are ticket sales going for it? Great. We've sold out tomorrow night. I think tonight is practically gone as well. There's a few left for Sunday and Monday in the Druid Theatre, and it's well worth checking out. After we do our four nights, uh, so we're doing tonight, tomorrow night, then we're skipping Saturday, and we're doing Sunday, Monday in the Druid. And after that, then we're heading off on the circuit. We're going around the country. I think we start in Enniskillen with the play on the 3rd of March. And after that, then we go up and down from Portadown to Straban, down to Doombeg and Castle Island, over to Rathangan. And we do the Clear Galway Drama Festival on the 10th of March, which we're really looking forward to. Where can they get the tickets? Tickets at the Druid box office. So give a ring to the McLally Theatre and uh, Sharon will look after you there and uh, you'll get the tickets. Full details up on the Galway Bay FM Facebook page. Somebody wants to know you're doing a matinee. No, not this time around. So these, these productions in the McLally are on at 8 o'clock, but certainly a matinee is, is, is well worth considering mm. in the future. Uh, I know we're coming to the Town Hall Theatre later on as well in April. That'll be at the end of the run, okay. April 3rd, if you're looking that far ahead yeah. and thinking about where you might see this production. And there will be one or two venues that we'll pick in between on top of that as well. But I leave all that to our director extraordinaire, Philip MacDonald, who does a mighty job. Good. I don't know, the more, well, it's probably uh, easier to understand that a busy man is, is somebody that would achieve this. So Philip is the, the man running the post office in Shum. So. Good, I know. If he's not uh, licking stamps or stamping forms, <laughs> he's making sure that I'm getting my lines right. But he does a fabulous job on this. Uh, Kieran Dowling is on Sound and Light. Kieran is the art teacher up at St. Endes, Colossia Angel. Hey, hey. We have man. to congratulate for winning the, the hurling title yesterday. Um, yeah, genius as well. So there's a lot mm. of really good people involved, uh, even backstage as well. So look, the crew are together and we're on the road and you'll have uh, all the girls backstage as well who will be getting ready for props and... The all blacks, I call them, because they're dressed all in black. In black you yeah. saw what I did there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so eight o'clock tonight, curtain drops. I think there's a couple of tickets left for tonight, but in the main, I think it's Sunday, Monday. We're looking to fill up, and there's okay. only a handful left for those. But thanks for the time, Keith. 
All right, listen, enjoy and look forward to seeing it. Thank you for joining us uh, today in the programme. Now, quick commercial break. We're back next. Galway Bay FM's Pet Talk with Petmania. Well Park Retail Park, the home of pet care in Galway. 091-761-638. Now, Emily Miller, Sales and Marketing Manager with Petmania, joining me on the, uh, joins me on the line. Emily, morning to you. Good morning, how are you? I'm all good today and we're looking at skin and coat health for our furry friends as well today and it's a very important uh, topic, so it is, Emily. Yeah, it is and it's, it, I suppose we wanted to have a chat and highlight the importance of looking after our pets' skin and coat. Um, it's it's just such a big part of their lives and it's really important that we look after it. So, you know, our Operation Transformation campaign is ongoing and it's one of the things that we're asking people to maybe look at mm. um, during that campaign and see if there are little changes that they maybe can make to but help prevent itchy, flaky skin. But skin care is very important for our pets, isn't it? It is, yeah, and the reason for it is, and there's two reasons, you know, it it just, our, our pets don't sweat, so they don't have sweat glands like us humans, so when they lose water through their skin, it's actually their overall body is starting to dehydrate, it's not that it's they're sweating in the same way that we would, um, and it, it can cause problems like itchy skin, flaky skin, dermatitis, which really aren't very oh a lot of fun which then kind of can lead on to other things like allergies hair loss your you know lots of scratching you know your it can cause your pet to cut themselves it can it can be really uncomfortable so um hydration is step number one to making sure that our pets aren't kind of in, encountering those problems so making sure that they've got access to fresh water every day is really vital and then as our pets are getting older they can be more prone to maybe oh you know i don't i won't i won't drink it today they're a little bit fussier it can be a little bit more difficult to get them to to drink and which can cause other problems so um it can lead into issues like um you know kidney problems and, and all sorts of things for our older pets in particular. So how we can encourage them to drink more water is the number one thing. So you're looking at, for cats, they can be a bit fussy, they might not like tap water. You can get filter filter runs, you know, or filters that run, that can put water in and they'll run continually and they'll clean out the water and take out those things that they don't like um, and they will it'll be much easier to get them to drink. You can also get... Um, drinks that are kind of boost their electrolytes and encourage you know really help keep them hydrated which can be added into their water or can be given at a particular time of day which is really good for your older pets and um, pets that maybe are struggling with um maybe they're post-op or maybe they're really active so really just to help rehydrate them and make sure that they're not losing out and also great in hot weather not a problem this week but it, it those kind of things are really important and then other things looking at to, to look after their skin is making sure that their diet is rich in omega oils, which again are really important to stimulate that pet health and, and the, the skin regeneration and nourish the skin. And, you know, so making sure that you've got things like omega oils in their diet is really important. It can help wow. boost so skin healing as well as skin hydration. Um it's amazing. So yeah, it's amazing because you can get you can get the dog food indeed with fish oils in it and omega three and all that in it. Uh, so you yeah, can. you can. And but if your if your pet is struggling, maybe, and they do have, you know, they they've kind of encountered a problem, or their 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 skin has become dry, or whatever else, you can also add supplements in, so you can kind of boost that as well. So you can buy those, and you can that they're available as well. That just to to boost that that 
regeneration that they may need, you know, particularly if, if your pet is maybe struggling with things like dermatitis yeah. or, uh, um, or things, you know, those are available. It really does help to, uh, to just sustain them and, and, and to help that healing, healing process. Um, and the other thing then that's really important is to the skin health is looking after their coat. So looking after their hair. So our pets regulate their body temperature using their coat. So really looking after the coat, things like matting as well. If the coat gets matted, um, it can cause problems with the skin because the, t- the, air can't circulate into the skin and it can cause additional problems as well so regularly brushing their hair getting their hair cut you know if you have a dog making sure that their hair has been kept trim and and kept short free from tangles free from matting and helping that air circulation into the skin is really really important so so the grooming then helps the skin and stimulates the skin and cleans the skin absolutely yeah it does it cleans the skin you know it can exfoliate it can remove those dead hairs make sure they're not sitting in there can remove any dead skin which is icky but it does it you know it'll help just exfoliate the skin um and really help to just keep that keep it hydrated keep it keep it and, and keep it keep it healthy and then like i said you know if, if your dog's hair is getting matted it'll tighten in around the skin it can be really sore to, to brush it out can be quite difficult it can be very painful but if it's if it allows to, if it's allowed to build up and build up it can be very difficult and then what happens is when the when those mats are removed your your pet then automatically you know kind of goes oh i've access to the skin here that's been annoying me and they start licking it and it can cause other problems so just staying on top of their at home cold care so keeping it regularly brushed um and again yeah. then keeping the regular hair cuts in is really really important and if anyone has any questions on that they can drop into our groomers and they'll be happy to help you out kind of go over how do, how do i brush or if you log on to our website we've got some great um demos Super. as well of how do i brush my curly coated dog how do i brush my de- my, my double coated breed there's loads of different 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 types of hair as well and you kind okay. of need different different types of care so all of that information is available Super. on our website as well if anybody needs a little bit of extra help Emily, I was going to call you something else, Emily Miller, Sales and Marketing Manager with Petmania. Uh, thank you indeed for joining us uh, today on the programme. We're back shortly with news and death notices. Stay tuned. Galway Bay FM's Pet Talk with Petmania. Well Park Retail Park Galway. Leading the way in pet health, grooming and nutrition. Petmania.ie